0: Print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal.
1: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts Adam Keith and Matt Dye.
2: This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. <music>
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast here. On a
2: bright, hot, sunny day. Bright, hot, sunny day here in uh, late August. Um, With rain in the forecast, so I know we've been complaining about um, hot, dry weather, but there is a little chance, a glimmer of some hope, a little reprieve in the intense heat around here. So, we're hoping. Yeah, you know,
1: it's kind of one of those things I've gotten asked quite a bit from some guys That are saying, hey, what's the, uh, have you planted your food plots yet? And I'm like, no. Yeah. And uh, uh, because timing's been off, but the other one being um, moisture, (laughs) well, lack of moisture. But Chad and I, we had a major failure several years ago when we planted food plots. It's happened a couple of times, but one year sticks out in particular. We planted food plots and we had two days, really good rain. Um, Where it was like, that's perfect. Seed germinated, blew up, and then it baked it. Yep. And we're like, this is not good.
2: Mm-hmm. This is not
1: good. These little bitty young plants are poking out of ground. They send and it is all
2: that energy from the seed itself, expose themselves to then build roots. But when they expose themselves they to baking It was like hot sun. almost
1: 100 degree heat yep. index, very similar it is now. And I'm yep. like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I would do it, however, if I had really good, like, thatch that was breaking down. Sure. Um, I would probably go ahead and plant, but right now we're like, ah, just we'll just hold off. Yeah. So,
2: I... I
1: how are you just doing? You had, you've caught a few more rains than we have down on the farm.
2: A little bit more, um, starting to see some rows pop, but there's still some areas that um, it, it it hasn't germinated well, but I have... A decent enough thatch to keep ground level shaded. Um, it's coming along. If we get rain this afternoon and tonight, I think we'll be great for at least another week. If we don't get it, I don't have very high hopes. <laughs> yeah. But we we're. I was forced in a well, was, situation without was, the tractor being present. Got a plant when when uh, the gentleman was able to do so. Yeah. So. Seed was there. We got a half inch right afterwards, but this week has been hot. Oof. There's a thatch load, so we'll 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 see how they fare if they they pull through this. If we get this rain um, in the next in the next two days, so.
1: And once again, we're here in the middle of a late August, looking over a ten day forecast. And tonight and tomorrow, the best chance we have today. There's a seventy eight percent. Get this. Today in our hometown, or my hometown where you live now, there's a 78% chance of point zero five inches of yeah. rain. Ooh. Tomorrow is a 69% chance of 0.35. Yeah. So it's like, there's a pretty good chance of a little dusting
2: of yeah. rain. It'll get it'll get the surface wet. Yeah. Seems like, especially when it's been so dry, oh. it does not... Uh, as long as it's not like a downpour and then just shut off, you'll get a little bit of incorporation yeah. into the ground. But if yeah. it comes in a thunderstorm situation where it's done and over with in 30 minutes, a lot of that stuff runs off. No. It's just no. like a superficial rain. Or it's if a, it does a,
1: stick and like set for a second, it evaporates so mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And, this and much of this, like I look out here across this pasture behind us and it's monoculture fescue overgrazed. It's like that's just most – if we got three inches of rain, two of it, two and a half inches of it's running off.
2: Yeah, sheeting, sheeting off. So, yeah, it's
1: unfortunate. But that's where we're at. You know, there's a pile of seed orders that have come through, and woof, we've been trying to send those orders over to Stratton and get them all situated. Hopefully, guys are uh, – everybody's getting caught up and getting their seed in the ground or getting their seed soon. But I keep getting the question from people is like, is it too late? I feel like it's too late for food plots. Mm, right here. And I'm like, I don't know when this shift happened, but when I was growing up, Labor Day was the weekend that everybody planted their fall mm-hmm. food plots. Labor Day. And here we are, and we're not even in September yet. Guys are like, is it too late? No. What happened? And I think, ah. I, I think part of that comes to a lot of people are doing food plots up north where the growing season is much shorter. So, like... They planted spring food plots later than us, mm-hmm. and they plant fall food plots earlier than us because their window of time, their growing season, is much shorter than ours in the southern Midwest and, 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 sp-
2: and in the south. Specifically, right now as we're going into fall, their frost date is sooner yep. than, than ours. Yep. Like That's what they're fighting against, but we don't have to worry about that in some situations 20th, 25th of October. Yep. And that's why, like, when when guys ask me about planting certain
1: varieties and like, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? I'm like, it's a little bit different than what you're probably expecting. Like, buckwheat is a big one that they that guys keep asking me about for like, fall planting. No, for spring okay, planting. For spring. Can I plant buckwheat and get me through the summer and then turn around? Like, buckwheat has a very short maturing short. time. And when I planted it here in the southern Midwest, what happens if I plant it mid 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 May or early May, it's, it's done. done in July, yeah. and I still have
2: July and August to, to to grow weeds, basically, And the what what the the planting space of that yeah. buckwheat was.
1: Yeah, and so which is the hardest time? Like that's when I should have thatch. That's when I should have green plants yep. most, so I can conserve soil moisture, and and so then you know that opens the door. If you don't have active plants growing. During July and August, you're going to likely get goosegrass, crabgrass, sure. many other uh, problematic species, and then you have to figure out how to get rid of them, and then go into fall planting. Was like just plant a diverse blend, like a heritage blend, something with all these different varieties,
2: so cover the basis, you can, which covers yes. the ground.
1: Yes. So, yeah, I, I I'm, and then the, and then the, even the early planting, that was kind of the point of that was, so many guys are planting. Now you know they say hot or dry, plant in July when it comes to turnips, and a lot of guys up north are planting their brassicas in July. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which is fine. I even plant brassicas in here in July around here, but that doesn't mean that that's when you plant cereal grains. Correct. That doesn't mean that's when you plant clover. Different species. Yeah, and the, the other thing too, I don't know if people pay attention. It'd be hard not to see it if you're involved in, especially the cattle side of the world, but. Even lawn care, even food plots. Army worms are horrific oh, yeah. in the south this year. Oklahoma. Well, Kansas. I've Kansas is terrible. I've seen reports of them in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I've seen reports in them in Missouri, um, Arkansas, Alabama. Yep. I've seen them uh, like different Kentucky. Um, I've seen them all over. And not just like... Oh, yeah, they're eating up my food plots. Like, they're eating pastures, lawns, eating everything. Right. And that's the other gamble you face when you plant early, is if you have a big, beautiful, lush food plot and along comes... I I had a
2: picture sent to me two days ago, and and everyone knows, what. take armyworms out of the occasion or out of the situation, there's still insects, there's still aphids, there's still so many different types of insects that are out there that they consume leaves and no matter what you do if you're planting and you have an emerging fall food plot during late summer stress and it's hot and it's dry but there's fresh new vegetation guess what that's the ice cream even insects are going to be going to that outside of bad army worm year so you need to be expecting that type of you should see some insect damage a little bit or you should expect it yeah. this time of year, it's going to happen. happen from a native species like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's not it's not too late though. I mean, we're, we go by the thought process of four to six weeks before your frost date. That gives mm-hmm. enough time to germinate, grow, get established, have that root system to continue growing. Weather through. dependent. Yep. Obviously, going you know going through
1: a couple of times. Uh, you know, we've had terrible fall growing seasons the last five years. It seems like I know for the last four. And that's one thing when we planted the, when we promote the legacy blend, it's kind of, and guys have been a little bit unhappy. I'm like, dude, it didn't rain. It doesn't matter how good the seed is. It doesn't matter what, what the seed is. I don't care if you got, uh, what is that? The, 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 the miracle bean. I don't care if you got Jim's miracle beans. It doesn't
2: germinate without rain. (laughs) It doesn't grow without rain. Without rain. So
1: Yeah. Um and and uh, but you know there's certain things you can do to ensure success not tilling or, not yeah, disking improve soil moisture water retention weeds, help fight off weeds keep a thatch on the on the surface yep. of the soil so it holds the moisture in all those things uh, but even then you can still have problems yeah nothing's, for sure nothing's nothing's given in that aspect well so. i think that
2: that goes into the the entire um, theme of land and legacy is there's not one situation where it's like okay it's six weeks before the first frost date now we need to plant no everything is situationally based and we need to have and include these variables into our plan to make sure we have the best outcome and sometimes we have to plant a week or two later sometimes we can bump up a planting date from year to year it's just based on current conditions Mm -hmm. field rain all, all these, all these things work in to to make the best suggestions.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing before we get, jump in, I know we've been trying to keep everybody in the loop. One thing we struggle with, you know, that we're, we're somewhere in 350 podcasts. We've done a pile of them, and one thing that kind of we we're so busy sometimes we forget to really tell people about what's going on as far as trips we've been on and where we've been in the world yep. because consulting is. That felt like some raindrops right there. Consulting is really the bread and butter of our of our uh, business. Yep. And uh, I wanted to share a little bit of a story here um, for people because I posted about it, and I had several guys message me and text me and ask questions. But you know, in all of our travels, we've been in thirty states now, and all uh, pretty much everywhere in between, from New York to Texas and Minnesota, North Dakota now to yep. Florida. Um, The one thing that uh, is fun is meeting the people but seeing some of the weird things that they've done to their (laughs) farms. And I was recently um, on a property in Kansas that had something unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, And so I told people I'd talk about it on the podcast. So I went to a Redneck water park. And Matt, you know, so people know... when inquiries come through the yep. website, you get a hold of Matt. When they come through social media, you get a hold of me. And what's kind of the best way we've figured out just to tackle all the messages and emails and things that come in. And um, Matt said he booked this one and to bring swimming trunks because there was a Redneck Water Park. I had no idea what we were getting into. I,
2: did. I wasn't given much detail. I just heard Redneck Water Park. That sounds like fun. Yeah. You might want to be prepared, and well, and it's August too, so it's going to be hot.
1: Yeah, I knew it was going to be hot, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, when you hear the word redneck, you kind of have an assumption You're of like, okay, safety. How safety? much? Definitely not OSHA comes. <laughs> OSHA does not come to mind. Yeah. And then water park was like, I'm picturing America's funniest home videos. Oh yeah, with a tr- with a track hoe. Like spinning around with the guy holding under rope swing and him slowing down and then cramming his skull into the the side of the boom. No thanks. I was like, eh, I'm not sure if I even, can I do the the little trick? Oops, forgot my swimming trunks. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't. I took him anyway and I'm like, we'll just see what we're getting into. And I can't even, I, I was not even prepared for what I saw. So for some of the listeners, this was a property that had strip mines on it. They were mm-hmm. mining gravel. So
2: um, it's pretty common in Kansas, in places,
1: yeah, where you can find find that. But um, they were mining gravel, and he had I forget like four to six different
2: pools. Pools,
1: yeah, um, around, and this one pool, the big one, he had set up all kinds of different activities to enjoy right. uh, for family and friends. And, and so he had, over the course of a couple of years, built um, these massive slip and slides. So one of them was like 500 foot. Goodness. And you just and it's dual, so like two, two, people. two lanes. You can go down, yeah. race. And then from that one, you would swim around the point, peninsula, or walk all the way back. Um, So a multiple acre lake here, pond, whatever you call it. Um, And then there's another one that had a slip and slide with a ramp at the end that was probably, I don't know, 300 foot, something like that. Right. That you would go down and at this ramp, I don't know, you're probably 10 foot off the surface of the water when you hit the ramp, and you're going down this long hill. Launches (laughs) you. Uh, Dude, uh, there was times where, like the first time I went down it, now you go down on a boogie board, you pitch the boogie board off to the side, so you don't land on it and yeah. crush it, but like pitch it off or, to the or side or crush yourself. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, throw it to the side, and then get your arms up and dive in. No yeah. problem. That sounds I easy. I could do that. nuh when when but I do hit, your feet want to keep coming no, over no, top no. of you? Like, okay, I go off of it, and you're uh, you feel like you shot out of a, uh, a cannon. Can yeah, yeah. Like throw the boogie board off, and by the time I I'm throw playing. the boogie board off kind of wave the arms once uh-huh. or twice to get myself balanced Balance. back out and stick my arms up to dive. I didn't even have enough time to get my arms like locked in. So I would hit and it would like rip my arms down. Dang. And it was like, Oh my, I might've tore a rotator cuff. doing that. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. I and do it's it just again. three grown men doing this. So yeah, it's like yeah. the, the wives aren't there to say, are you sure this is a bad right, idea? Right. So you got that one. Then there's another one that's about the same, maybe a little shorter that launches you out and it, it this actual slip and slide hit the surface the edge of the water. And whenever oh, you hit you, you would like sh- 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 skip out like a flat rock out across the out across the that lake. That's cool. So there was that one. Then there was another one that had a that he had built this like A frame telephone pole that went almost I don't know, not straight down but felt pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. This is the one I shared the video of on social media. Drop down, it's I yeah. don't know 200 foot, and then at the end of it, it's another ramp that's more steep than the other one I told you about. Yeah, at the top of it is 16 foot from the waters. So, so you go through I don't know how far uh, over 20 foot in the air, and you either have to in those. Few seconds that you're <laughs> waving your arms and kicking your legs, you have to decide: Am I going feet first or diving? Yeah, yeah for sure. And if you made the wrong mistake, it
2: was a humongous. Then you f- caught somewhere <laughs> in between, and it's not gonna feel good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and one of the guys with us did a backbuster on it. Oh, um, it was just like whoa! It had a and over one of the canals like a you, rope. You realize a rope how much
2: bridge. surface tension there is in water. Oh yeah, <laughs> at that yeah. point, yeah. And so
1: then there was a draw bridge, I think, like a rope mm-hmm. bridge that you walk across. And um, there was also a, a high dive that was like 30 foot Dang. that had rope swings off
2: of it. How deep was it to this, mate?
1: I, f- I forget what he said. Uh, 12 or 20 foot somewhere in the deepest mm-hmm. spot. You never. He said only one guy's ever touched the bottom. Oh, wow. Um, like going off the jumps yeah. and stuff. But um, the other thing, too, that was interesting, he had these other slides that were like the plastic culvert pipes yeah yeah that you would go down and they were kind of like had some loops in them and they would jump out it was the most insane <laughs> thing the war the other part too is i forget what he i wanted to say he called it a russian swing it was like a circus act swing yeah where it's one of those where you can go all the way around the bar no oh, like yeah, yeah yeah yeah, he had one of those and he's like you gotta try this i can get you launched way out there and I was very hesitant because I'm like, you know, I, there was a time in my life I was very coordinated. But yeah, it is those, not now. Those years have kind of passed you know, a little bit. Kids and not playing I can, sports. My
2: coordination now revolves around driving fence posts in the ground. That's as much as I go. Yeah. It doesn't involve a bat and a ball or a golf ball and a golf yes, club. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's not like I could run out and jump over a fence like a hurdle, no yep, problem. No, like there would be issues. And so he did that and he's like, jump. And I, and I was trying to time it, trying to time it, trying to time I mean, I mean we're swinging pretty good. At this point, I'm like, I'm going to knock my teeth out on this Yeah. Thing. I'm going to jump up, and the thing's going to swing back, and I'm going to land flat right back where I was.
2: You let fear creep in, Adam. Oh, I did. <laughs>
1: and about the time I pushed off was about the time we hit the peak, and it was going back the other way. Oh. So I went, whew, <laughs> almost straight down into the water. It's oh, funny. Managed to sneak a dive in, but I was like, "That's good, I'm doing yeah. that." Had a springboard diving board; it mm-hmm. was like six foot up there. It was insane. The that worst, cool. the the worst thing that, that I mean, I say this that people would probably love this, but the worst thing for me that I did not do is the one thing I didn't do was a um, one of those slingshots. He had major bungee cords tied up. You would get in a oh, harness. My. You would get in a harness. Telephone poles on the side. Then he would drive a four-wheeler back. (laughs) Uh, And then launch you, and you just go back and forth on the slingshot. Oh, it wouldn't release you.
2: It didn't release you. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. I would consider the release game, but I'm not getting whiplash in that Joker. No. That sounds like death's saddle right there. That's
1: what I was thinking. I'm like, I could just see the news report. Redneck, water park. Man dies being Fatal. launched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting towards the lake and overshot it and landed on his head on bank. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it was, and, you know, he's got all kinds of stuff. But to me, it was like one of those where it's like, you know, I'm sure there's old, old uh, abandoned mines and strip mines. I mean, we've worked properties that have that. Yeah. It's just like yep. there's all kinds of cool things you can do to attract the family to the property. And one thing he was talking about doing was. If he knocked out a few little spots, a few Mm -hmm. little runways, he could make a mile and a half circle through all the ponds. So basically you could get jet skis and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hadn't done it yet. Didn't know if he was going to do it. But I was like, man, that right there, that'd be hard. Like during the summer months, that would be pretty stinking fun to enjoy. I just got this message sent. Um, Look at all that rain that just blew up. Oh, yeah. Chad said it's supposed to be oh, raining God. at the farm right now. My grandparents, it's who live, I don't know, quite a bit of red mi- mixed eight in miles there. south of the farm, had over an inch of rain just just today. Which I'm like, well, I guess we should have planted, but if I'd have planted, it would have got a tenth of an inch and been done.
2: Well, uh, the, and the <laughs> so this is Jeff Jeff Willis. Oh, he texts me he, yesterday. He about says, it. "Be sure to make." He sent that and then says, "Be sure to make fun of Adam Foe." Quote, waiting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Th- with the, this stuff, this wasn't forecasted. No, th- there mm. was never been an inch that ever said that was going to happen today. Yeah, that, that that's just luck of the draw at that point. Yep. Um. But but anyhow, yeah, that's it's actually blowing up pretty good. So we're we're about to get hit there at the house, and it looks like it already got hit too. Cool. Yeah. Um. But it. But. That sounds like a lot of fun. That was that was one of those ones um, I had stuff booked. I was like, oh, this this is going to be a pretty pretty enjoyable. And you, had, and it, it, you knew it was going to be hot as the Dickens out there oh, in, in August I and got, on the prairie and wow, whatnot. So. so many
1: seed ticks. Oh, really? 8.30 in the morning loaded with seed ticks.
2: And you got the whole day to wear them clothes and sweat in them. And, yeah, yeah. fun, fun, yeah. fun, fun. It was one the, of those. The joys of August consulting. Oh. Um, yeah. <sighs> However... We do want to bring some, some knowledge truth bombs to, to the podcast. Um, yeah, I think the title says it all. <laughs> it does. And, and I, I think that if anyone who listens to the podcast long enough, they realize that conventional wisdom or the, the general flow, Yeah, we, we, we stop there and say, okay, we just ask the questions, why? Why, why, why is it like that? Um, and, and, and I think it is sometimes we do try and reinvent the wheel, but because the wheel isn't perfected and, um, we found this to be true in the whole situation of hunting and hunting deer efficiently and effectively. And I, I want, I want that to be like the understanding of where this is coming from because there's a lot of people who, um, Spend a lot of time in the woods, way more than Adam and I do, hunting every single fall, um, and are very successful. However, everyone's time is it depends on your limited. level of success or what your definition of success. Too. Sure, yeah. but 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 there's a lot of people, and I don't who, mean that
1: from a hunting standpoint. Like uh, I, I, I'll yeah. talk about that in a second too. But
2: but but the the let's just define the conventional wisdom is. The phrase generally is said, "What is this, Jeff?" Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you can just see the comment. A little tattletale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a tattletale. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So he, um, okay. So the so conventional wisdom here is, is you can't kill deer on the couch. Yep, yep, yep. And and we're simply saying you can kill deer on the couch. Obviously that's a figure of speech. We don't literally mean that. Um although it's probably it's probably been done before. Some guys have done it. (laughs) Some guys guarantee have done it. (laughs) However, um what we're saying is it's not necessarily about the quantity of time, the number of hunts, the number of hours you're in the tree stand. It's more about the quality of the sits that you have. That's right. And and knowing when to not hunt opposed to knowing when to hunt. Everyone knows if, if, you're, if you're a seasoned hunter or you're beginning to hunt, you know the days in the field that just conditions line up and it's like, wow, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be good movement. Everyone can identify those 10 to 15 degree temperature changes, high pressure situations the movements of fronts back and forth when there's changes in in the in the weather that means generally speaking deer are going to move in relation to that we can all see that so the days that that are good to hunt are pretty apparent I don't think they're question questioned often yep. um, I, I think what what happens though is we as outdoorsmen who enjoy time in the field just think i'm going to be successful if i'm there or i'm going to have that opportunity and that's not that's not the the case i think that many times if you're not if you're if you're hunting deer too often you're putting too much pressure on situations and then if you're not having that success or those observations because you're you're hunting stands that are let's say inferior to your best spots Yep. you get frustrated and then therefore you say, well, I know where I need to be cuz what you've done is you've eliminated where the deer aren't. And yep. then and then it forces you to say, well, now since I know deer aren't there and I've put pressure on those, now I have to go to my best spots. And you're probably doing that when those best spots aren't heating up because you're you've doing hunted it when, too much.
1: When the buck, let's just say um, that you know, I see this a lot where you get the trail cam pictures of the buck on these three cameras. You you try to identify bedding from those th- cameras and say, okay, yeah. he's coming this way. He's going that way in the mornings. Okay, he's probably bedded over in this region. I, I have a few stands in that mm-hmm. pocket of timber. Okay, I'm not seeing deer on my other cameras as frequently, and they're only does occasionally. I'm trying to kill a buck. Let's go in after him. Mm-hmm. And he's nocturnal anyway. Yeah. The chances of you seeing him during daylight are very low, but yet you go in there and make that disturbance to where you can forget about seeing him. You push him to other regions of his home range. You make him nocturnal, you bump him over to the neighbor. Overall you just lower the overall productiveness of your farm because you got excited because you had a good buck on camera when you could have just let him be, wait until he is moving during daylight, you do catch a cold front, and then you can go in and have a better chance at him. I'm hugely guilty of this. I did this so much as a young kid. Sure. Running cameras and be like, Okay, you know, we hunted hard on a buck we called Doc back in 2015 Mm -hmm. and i mean we hunted the same stand several sets in a row yeah there was a reason for that we had an encounter we saw the bucks he was hanging with like we were on that deer right but if you remember what happened later in the fall it wasn't until late gun season when he finally showed back up on the very northern side of the farm Mm Mm-hmm. And during daylight, during daylight and yep. during the rut, obviously mm-hmm. it took the rut to get him moved, but it was like he went MIA and then all of a sudden he shows up north side of the farm.
2: Yep. It was like, what in the world? I, so we were spending time applying pressure on different portions of the property. He wasn't even, he wasn't even there. Now it almost paid off for right. us, but at Close. the same
1: time, if we didn't own the north side of the farm, we'd have never seen that deer again.
2: Right. And that was a, uh, most likely several hundred yard move ease yeah. i mean that was a, that was a 600 whole, yard move probably yeah. and 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 for a lot of properties that can be the difference between on you or off you yeah um and, and so there's times to strike uh there's times where certain properties or certain stands are going to be the best yeah. it's it's just whether it's topography um whether it's the 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 habitat features the vegetation features there um whether it is the fact that it's just a funnel or a travel corridor, they hunt different or better at different times of the year. And we have to understand that. Um, and, and a lot of this podcast kind of stems from a, a recent visit. We talked about last week we're in the Northeast. Uh, and, and specifically, this was a 40-acre parcel. I had this discussion with the landowner because uh, he noticed that one stand in particular that was identified and it kind of just jumped out on a map after we toured most of the property uh, that i was excited about it's 40 acre parcel and i kept referencing like this one stands like okay yeah you could hunt here but at the right time of the year the same deer that shows up here he's coming through this other stand stand a yeah. you can hunt and have b c d e f g so on so on i said but honestly don't go in there to stand a because that's your primo, your top spot, whatever. Don't do that until yep. it's game on. Because yep. everything, you, you've got 40 acres here. All the deer that, all that are moving through this property at some point or another, it set up so good. The access was so fine that it was just going to happen there. They were going to move through there at some point. So if you have, let's say you have four different deer that you're targeting on the property or you know in the area, when they're moving through it was going to be there consistently. Yeah. It just, yeah. it just was so like, it just, I no other way to describe it. It's like, it's not about, it's, it's a balance between, I like being in the field. I like taking time and just honestly being in creation. We can't get away from that, Yeah. but don't get out of the gate sprinting and put pressure on those best spots as seasons opening up. If, if the, if that's not the best time to hunt that place, yeah.
1: I feel like there's two there's really two groups of people. There's the guys who hunt really hard and get to hunt really hard, and then there's the groups of guys who wish they got to hunt really hard, and they go into the season like, oh, I haven't even hunted yet. I probably won't hunt till late October, and in my opinion, those guys probably had the freshest, easiest to hunt property because if they set it up sure. correctly. Just like us. Like, we've hunt very little early season.
2: We're sparing,
1: very sparing. And, and then all of a sudden, October hits and deer are still moving, deer are still great because we haven't put much pressure on the place. Yep. And that's where I feel like the guys who sit there, especially the dads, the business owners are like, oh, I just don't know about, you know, I, I've got work going on. I've got kids whatever going on kids I've got, soccer
2: football i I've got
1: something going on that i can't that doesn't allow me to go out september 15th or september 16th and september 19th yep. and september 22nd september 28th where you don't get that and you go out and you're like oh i haven't even hunted yet i don't really know what the deer are doing well if you've cut in the bedding you got food plots we have a pretty good idea what the deer are doing
2: it's not rocket science at that point it's yeah. predictable based on again yeah. the a combination of topography and what vegetation, plant communities are there. We can we can make a really good, educated guess on where we should hunt in those situations. But if you throw high pressure hunting pressure into that equation, well, it muddies the water of that what what could be clearly defined movement based on the habitat and based on topography. It changes that game when you throw pressure into that mix, and, and it's a variable that. That honestly isn't necessary because there are portions of most properties where it is. I, I think everyone could could identify. Let's just say you have ten stands. Someone could say, "Well, those are my three favorite." Right. Oh,
1: I, I, I'm that way. Like I don't remember. Uh, we've got half a dozen or a dozen to twenty stands. Let's just say. Right. I got five that I really like. The rest of them are kind of like, yeah.
2: We got a chance. But but let's be really honest. Last year, how many different stands did you hunt because time is, is limited? You had 20 options every single time you yeah, went to, to the four. field. Right. You hunted four of them. Yeah. Uh, how frequent, though, is it, is that in a conversation, um, working with landowners in the field? Okay, how often do you hunt this? I haven't hunted that in years. I haven't hunted that one in years. And you know what those stands are? Death traps. <laughs> yeah, they are. Cause yeah. You haven't when's been the a, last time you checked no the straps on that one? Uh-huh. Yeah no and and no shooting lanes trim no nothing so so in by default we all know where some of the best stands are and this is taking the the information of we all have the best I'd stops. I'd be glad if it rained at this point it is, is hot it's hot sticky out here out there. <laughs> you got shorts on i got pants from church oh, yeah, and, and the is. sun is just baking me but we all know that okay we can identify top good quality stands but still, you need to stay out until the right time frame. Yeah. Even with those conversations that everyone knows, don't just default go to your best stand because you've had the best. It's probably a reason in a timing situation that deer frequented that area. Yeah. Then the yeah. most, it's not necessarily equivalent throughout the entire season. So know your times and when to strike and think quality over quantity when it comes to setting up. A property and having those tree stands out there yeah you're going to be way more further down the road in a success standpoint by keeping things fresh undisturbed and to me i think early
1: season unless you know of a deer's pattern you've made the observations for a lot of guys they don't have the ability to go and sit on their fields or set around food plots, sit on observation stands. Right. Pre season. Yeah. So then when season opens up they can just jump in. Right. It's like now that season's open, now let me observe my way in. Yes. And so when you observe your way in, you set out back away from all the bottlenecks and you try to look in and you really try to just almost do it without ever disturbing anything and so early season to me is that like let's try to observe our way in let's try to take it tiptoe our way into the property so by the time october 15th hits deer of shed velvet, they've started really kind of falling into their fall, winter home ranges, yeah. and we have the better idea of where to hunt and how to get there, rather than just jumping right into the deep end, right out of the gate.
2: Right. Well, it honestly kind of reminds me, last year was the first year on uh, a lease. I yeah. had Seth's information um, that he had hunted, but it wasn't a property that he hunted and frequented a lot until until a certain time of the year yeah. when the property just blew up. So. My approach last year was, and it's a little bit limited access, but anyhow, started from kind of the north, and I made three moves inward to the property. Finally, the first of November is when that last move happened, but it was a staggered, okay, I'm going to advance, let's say, 100 more yards. here's Here's another 80 yards, and got me to be able to see, okay, truthfully, I need to move one more time, eighty yards, and that's the point where it's gonna happen at. And that's that's what did happen. Yeah. Everything that, you know, needed to see, needed to be able to cover with a with a bow, during archery, and then with the gun could happen right there, but it was not until the point of okay, I feel like I've observed enough and confident enough that when these conditions arise during this time of the year, I'll be in that tree, but not until then.
1: You and I just aren't living right, my friend. What? I'm watching the radar, and there was a big yellow glob right to the farm. And, and you know, it's kind of like a heartbeat. It's like boom, 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 yeah, boom, ebbs boom, decreasing. Flows a bit. Yeah, and and it goes sucked up, up and then went right north, right past the farm. We got a little bit of rain, but could have looked like more. it was going to dump a lot more. Well, then I'm that. watching yours. Don't watch it. Same Don't thing. Tangy. You got green, 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 yellow, yellow, yep. And it just kind of went fizzled, just skirted right by you. Darn. Yeah. Well, oh, well, we'll catch one sooner or later. Maybe maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So anyway, yeah, I think for overall, though, early season is one of those where it's like, it's great that season will be opening up, but it's also don't fret that you can't get out there. Yeah, yeah. Don't get out there and get overly ambitious. And ultimately, don't blow out your good sets. It's like right. we have sets like the tree, notorious for being a great rut set. We don't ever hunt it early season.
2: Mm-mm. So uh, And anyway. and that's an area this that we're logging wise, it's not really happening logging wise. It yep. probably would be a great option to even go to now, but it's you're Wind not gonna will do that. swirl, it'll yeah. be a nightmare. Not not yeah. not even gonna do it. It's not worth it. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of variables that go into these decisions, conversations and whatnot, but Essentially, don't be the guy who sprints out of the gate if you're looking for long-term success. I know some places don't open up till August one. I mean, excuse me, October one, um, and then they're done January one. So your season's a little bit shorter compared to uh, early September, mid January, late January finish. But there still is time. Quality versus quantity sits is how you get it done.
1: All right, guys, appreciate you joining us this week. Um, what else was I going to say? I don't know. <laughs> I was oh. going to send a reminder of something, but I totally forgot what I was going to tell him to do. Oh, there's some more
2: hunts coming on to the mm-hmm. YouTube channel in the coming weeks, yeah. um, the coming months, and and some additional content. So it's hopefully check this fall, that out. we
1: send out more and more videos on, on our YouTube. So search Landon Legacy on YouTube. Uh, guys, appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Yep. See ya.